0: hi everyone i'm Anon, your host for this episode and you're listening to spill the red rum a true crime podcast today my usual co-host will not be joining us she's currently in india bombay to be specific living it up and just taking some much needed time off But basically, we're two sisters who love everything, true crime, so you know you're in for a good crime. Pun intended. I realize now that it's not as fun saying pun intended when it's not the both of us, because it's kind of our thing. Just going to give you guys our usual disclaimers before I hop into the episode. So, the content of this podcast might be disturbing and sensitive to some listeners. Please proceed with caution. Our sources are listed on our website at spilltheredrumpodcast.com if you'd like to check them out. And on Spill the Red Drum, we strive to deliver the most accurate content. However, it is difficult to verify the credibility of the listed sources. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Our handle is at spilltheredrum. And like I mentioned earlier, you can also give our website a little look-see, it's spillthereddrompodcast.com for updates about episodes and for case images. Also, if you like what you're listening to and if you've listened to all of our other episodes and actually just like what you hear, please do give us a rating. It really helps us grow as a podcast and continue to do what we love. I mean, we're going to do it anyway, but you know, this is just the little perk up that we need. So the case we're about to discuss today is quite the whopper of a case and I've really tried hard to condense it into one episode, but um, we'll see how I do. (laughs) Today we're going to discuss the case of Abraham Lee Shakespeare, which might I say is a sick name, I love it, a man that went from multi-millionaire to missing in just a matter of three years and what followed was a massive investigation to locate the lottery winner. What I'm about to share with you is a very condensed version of what transpired from 2006 to 2009. But if you'd like to dive deeper into the case, you can always check out our case sources on our website, spilltheredrumpodcast.com. Honestly, there's so much of material out there for this episode. And even though I've tried my best to put it all into one, you can always give it a look. There's a ton of documentaries, there's a ton of different news articles about it because it's quite... a widely covered case, I'd say. So Abraham Lee Shakespeare was born on April 23rd, 1966. Now, there's not much known about what his life was like when he was a child or anything of that sort. All we know is that him and his mother, Elizabeth, always had a very close relationship. He spent his entire life living in Lakeland, Florida, and Abraham was only in the 7th grade when he had dropped out of school, and he also couldn't write, read or write at that time. When he was young, he was in and out of juvenile detention centers for small burglaries and petty theft, but as he got older, he decided to really, like all of us pull his socks up and get a job. And so that's what he did. He would um, do odd jobs around town to make ends meet, honestly. Like most of us, actually. You know what? The other day I was looking at this TikTok, which was about how many people in America currently are just living paycheck to paycheck. And it was a staggering number. I'm not sure if it was 48% or 58%, but that's a lot. I haven't even checked the statistic for India because... How do you even measure that? We have a largely farmer population, so I guess that'll be tough, but I'll give it a look. Eventually, Abraham would meet Antoinette, who he had a son with named Moses. Although Antoinette and him did not have a long-lasting relationship, Abraham was still a very present parent who saw his son every chance he could get. There are also sources that reveal that he did have another son, but but there's not that much known about. Um, at least I couldn't find that much of information about it. But for now, let's just remember that he has two sons. On November 15th, 2006, Abraham, who was 40 at the time, was working as a truck driver's assistant for a food delivery company. And on this day, him and his colleague, Michael Ford, we were on a late night delivery trip on their way to Miami, which is about a four hour drive for, from Lakeland, without any stops, that is. The two would stop at a Town Star, which is a convenience store in Frostproof, because Michael wanted to pick up cigarettes and drinks for the ride. While exiting the truck, Michael asked Abraham if he wanted anything. At the time, Abraham only had $5 on him. And all he asked for were two lottery tickets, which were $2 each. Abraham got truly lucky that day and ultimately won the Florida Lotto, which was a whopping $30 million, making him a multi-millionaire overnight. To put it into perspective, I took the liberty of looking up what were the odds of winning this lottery. And honestly, the number is pretty big. It really painted a picture of how truly lucky Abraham was in that moment. There is only a one in 22,957,480 chance of getting all the right numbers in the right order. And according to the annual Florida Lottery Report from 2021, I really couldn't find anything that was more recent, says that since 1988, the Florida Lottery has created 2,884 millionaires through the sale of lottery games. I think I should move to Florida and try my chances at this point. I'm kidding. Shakespeare went from barely scraping by to potentially never having to work again in his life. His family were all smiles when he was handed a huge check of his winnings, which was so highly publicized and sensationalized that everyone's mom, grandmom and second cousin knew his name. He rose to fame almost too quickly and understandably so. Honestly, think about the headlines. Regular Joe becomes man of millions overnight. And at the time, it was relatable. Everyone thought that if Abraham could do it, they too. It was hopeful. Now I'm going to be a Gen Z and say it was giving, maybe I could wake up one day and become a millionaire energy. (laughs) To get their hands on the money, winners can either opt for an annual installment plan or collect it in lump sum. Abraham chose the lump sum option, of $17 million before tax. An amount that he had never either seen or had in his bank account before. And honestly, an amount that a lot of us will not be able to see. He truly got lucky. First things first when handed the money, Abraham bought himself a mansion in a gated community, what he called his dream home, in Jan 2007. He put down a total of 1.1 million for the home and that's about all he treated himself to. Apart from this, he also put up 1 million as a trust fund for his son and bought a Nissan Altima and a Rolex watch from the pawn shop. But truthfully, this was really all he spent his money on. And with the rest of his money, Abraham would go on to make not that many big purchases for himself. He didn't enjoy it all on himself. Instead, he went to either gift or loan the money to everyone, from friends and family to strangers who needed help and even those who helped him when he was down. He was a man who thought with his heart and in turn was very generous to those who asked for a piece of his fortune. What's worse was that he was now of a local celebrity status. The community somehow viewed his fortune as the community's saving grace and one that everyone... And I mean, everyone thought they could have and wasn't afraid to ask for. The people that surrounded Abraham during this time only wanted to be associated with him because of his newfound status. I mean, that kind of sucks, right? If there's anything we've seen everyone from Drake to Kendrick Lamar to Dr. Dre drop diss tracks about, is that when you reach a certain amount of fame or when you see, like, reach a certain standard of fame, people want to just wiggle their way into your inner circle or be nice to you and leech off of you to take what rightfully isn't theirs. They're looking for their fast track pass on this theme park called life and Shakespeare was honestly their free ticket. All I could think about when researching this case to be honest was the lyric that from Drake's song Over which is I know way too many people right now that I didn't know last year who the fuck are y'all like, honestly, this is exactly what I thought that Abraham must have felt like. All of these people around him who just wanted to be around him because he had money. I can't imagine what that feels like. Who do you, Who are your real friends at that point? In fact, Abraham was literally just giving away money and loaning it to a ton of people. He couldn't say no. And people knew that about him. Like Greg Smith, an old pal of Shakespeare's who owned a barber shop where Abraham would work odd jobs sometimes when he was trying to make ends meet. And he had taken an enormous loan from Abraham to pay for his mother's mortgage, for which he was paying back in installments. You see, it was kind acts like these that led Abraham to start losing his money. And a lot of people would literally just recognize him off the streets, walk up to him and straight up ask him for money. Prison inmates too would keep calling him in the hopes that he would help them out with bail. It got that bad because his name was everywhere. Everyone knew his name. Everyone wanted a piece of that dough. Now, you remember our old boy, Mike, Michael Ford, Shakespeare's old driving colleague, sorry, truck driving colleague who bought the ticket for him? Well, in April 2007, he asked Abraham for a share of the money, claiming that he had actually bought the ticket for himself. Abraham said, hell no. And so like a true American, Michael sued him and took his butt to court. There, Michael Ford claimed that he had in fact bought the tickets for himself, after which he had put it in his wallet and alleges that Abraham had stole them from him. All of this was done in front of a jury who, after a literal hour of deliberation, came back with a non-guilty plea in October 2007 leaving Abraham off the hook and Michael with nothing. After this whole ruse and because of the number of people that were asking Abraham for money, he straight up got fed up and he was tired of his time in the spotlight. Shakespeare soon grew tired of everything that was expected of him. Friends stated that Shakespeare had grown frustrated with the apparently constant appeals for money from everybody. He told his brother I'd been better off broke and told a childhood friend of his, I thought all these people were my friends, but then I realized all they wanted was my money. What should have been a period of bliss and spending left him under a ton of pressure and eager to just escape it all. After getting tired of everyone's requests and everyone's demands and everything that was expected of him, he decided to step away from the spotlight and fly under the radar after speaking to his financial advisor, Doris Donegan DD Moore. Now, remember this name. And rightfully so, I can't even imagine what it must have felt like to constantly have people, you know, coming up to you on the street and asking you for money. Who do you trust at that point? Literally no one. And, and it was understandable that he would have this ask. It's The bare minimum, his privacy and sanity. In November 2009, Abraham's cousin Cedric Edom phoned the police about Abraham's disappearance. He and his family hadn't seen Shakespeare since early April 2009. That's nearly seven months of not being in any contact with him, which I think is kind of insane. But the police checked Cedric and he was off the hook. And right now, no one really suspected any foul play. Because honestly, a lot of people thought that he was just sitting on a beach in the Caribbean, sipping a cocktail, spending all of what he had won, and running away from all that was happening in his hometown. It's what he spoke about a lot. And everyone knew that this was something that he wanted to do. It wasn't as an impossible thought. He spoke about it multiple times to people close to him. But one thing that I think is really strange is seven months. Can you imagine not seeing a loved one seven months and thinking, oh, you know what? Maybe there's something wrong. I mean, I get that everyone thought that he had escaped, but escaping without saying goodbye. Not even so much as a phone call, not even telling anyone where he is. And honestly, a few things did seem strange from the get go. Like, Abraham would never leave without saying goodbye to his mother. He simply wouldn't. Him and his mother were really, really close. What was even more strange was while he was missing, people close to him would get sporadic one-off text messages from him, which was actually impossible because Abraham couldn't text. He was illiterate and couldn't possibly read or write text messages. He was always the kind of guy who would call. The police immediately started an investigation and while talking to friends and family, one name kept popping up, Doris Donegan Dee, Dee Moore, who was told could give some more information about him and his whereabouts. P.S. I'm going to keep calling her Dee, Dee from now on because that's what everyone referred to her. So we'll just call her Dee. Dee. So just a little backstory on who Dee, Dee is. Growing up, she was always passionate about helping people. And started her career as a nurse. Later in life, she would start a healthcare company. But she was always in uh, the kind of lady who had a lot of side hustles. That, like that was her thing. She would do things like sell prepaid phones and Mary Kay products to earn a little extra dough on the side. And honestly, isn't that what everyone's trying to do right now? She's like ahead of the game back in like 2009. She was first introduced to Abraham through his real estate agent, Barbara. So Barbara was the one who had helped him get his mansion, the first purchase he had made. Who thought he'd be great for the book she was writing at the moment, which was on the subject of rags to riches. When she met him for the first time, his winnings were almost exhausted from all of the borrowing and the spending on other people. And she realized that this man didn't really need a book written about him. Instead, he needed someone to help him with his finances. And that's exactly what she did. She helped him set up his own company. Abraham loved this idea. He was slowly losing his money and wanted someone to help him with that. Someone he could trust, a close confidant. And I don't surprise him from living paycheck to paycheck to all of a sudden getting millions. I don't even know what I would do with millions. I would be spending it left, right and center. And isn't there that one thing where they say that within a year of winning a lottery... You tend to lose your friends, your family, and all of your money. Like, I think we've seen that with a bunch of lottery winners. At least I read a little something on that. Investigators knew that she'd be the one to tell them where he was. After all, she was apparently the only one who was in contact with him. When interviewed by authorities, she told them what they already knew. That Shakespeare was tired of everyone's appeals about his money, and that he just wanted to disappear. And that's exactly what she helped him do as a good friend and as someone who worked for him. When asked if she could help them get in touch with him, she said that she was in contact with him frequently, but she couldn't tell them where he was, since he literally did not want to be found. Simultaneously, the police looked into his phone records and they made an odd discovery. The logs proved that he had made calls all the time. But around April 6th, 2009, right around the time that people had last seen him and heard from him, all of his outgoing calls completely stopped all of a sudden. This confirmed that something definitely happened to him in early April. But everyone was still hopeful because him running away honestly just seemed plausible. And I think in that situation, everyone's trying to keep look at the barrier side of things. No one's really thinking that anything's wrong right now. The Thought he might just be away. In December 2009, Dee took Abraham's mother, Elizabeth, out to dinner and got her a prepaid phone. Remember one of the many side hustles I said that she had? And it was at this dinner that Abraham would get a call on that very phone from a private number. And on the other line was someone claiming to be her adored son, Abraham. Elizabeth was stunned and she immediately let the police know about it. And, of course, the police did what they do best and were able to trace the call and get the number and GPS location all within 24 hours. Ultimately, the phone was found stationary and located in the parking lot at the Lakeland Mall. As they pulled into the parking lot, to their surprise, they saw Dini there, parked close to another car. They watched as she had handed something to an identified man in the front seat, after which she drove away. The police immediately surrounded the unidentified vehicle, thinking that they had finally found Abraham and they could tell everyone that he was okay and make sure he was okay. But to their dismay, it was Greg Smith, Abraham's old friend who owed him money. When he was asked about what was happening, he said that Dee paid him $300 to call Elizabeth and pretend to be Abraham. But, like many people, Greg was told and believed that Abraham was in hiding and that he was doing Elizabeth a favor by reassuring her that Abraham was okay. He too was associated with Dee Dee and trusted her a great deal. He knew she had Abraham's best interests at heart. However, the police were starting to suspect otherwise. So, is Abraham in hiding or is there a more sinister plot at hand? Find out next week in the second part of this episode. You guys didn't think I would do a part two for this episode, now did you? That was my little sneak attack. Honestly, this case is so topsy-turvy and a whirlwind of emotions. It's too tough to keep into one episode. And while I trust you'll be patiently waiting for part two, I'll advise you to not look up the case because of spoilers. Honestly, if you even look up the case a little bit, you will know everything. But we will come back with a new episode next week for the second part of this episode. We'll get into what had happened, an investigation, and finally a verdict. Again, next week will be an alone episode. So Melody won't be there. Melody is away for two weeks and after that we may have a little announcement about um how we're going to take this podcast forward so you guys have something to look forward to with that and tune in next week for your weekly dose of spill the red rum and the second part of this episode bye